Hey, this is Tolly Wilkins of Captivate Church, and we're so glad you've joined us on our podcast today. This is one way that we can take our message from Baltimore all across the world. We pray that today encourages you, inspires you to become the man or woman that God's designed you to be. So as I shared with you last week, uh, we are finishing up our series on uh, virtue and vice. And what we've been doing is looking at the fruit of the Spirit in conjunction with the personalities that we all carry. And looking at the fruit of the Spirit, a lot of times the way the sermons are, are done or the series are done is taking one fruit and explaining that fruit, and that's the whole sermon, is here's what it means. Um, we're looking at it a little um, differently. We're looking at the personality types through um, a deal called Enneagram that's just given us nine personality types. But what we're doing is we're seeing how the, the, the fruit of the Spirit actually aligns uh, right alongside with the various personalities that we have in this room. And some of us, uh, some of us can have kind of a resting fruit, as, as I've called it in the series. Some of us can look at the fruit of the Spirit and we can go, well, I can pick up two or three of those in my life, so I must be good. I must be with God. Um, and, and so we, we do that and we kind of go, well, I've got this together. But the reality is you've got like a resting fruit kind of on your own. You're going you're gonna to kind of do some things because you're made in the image of God and, and his fingerprints on your life, and so you'll naturally do some of those. But you also have what we've been calling a stretch fruit, kind of like a, a part of the fruit of the Spirit um, that reveals to us, this is an area that I've definitely got to work on because my personality type is not prone to do this naturally. And so I'm not in the flesh going to do this part. And so as a result, I, I need to stretch. I need to learn. I need to depend on Jesus more so that he can bring that out in me. And so as we've looked at the personality types, we've been able to see the areas where the fruit of the Spirit can apply into each individual's life. Now, obviously, all of the fruit, all the time for all the people. Um, but we can't deny that some are easier than others. And so instead of you just grabbing a hold of two or three parts and go, yeah, I got the, I got the Spirit of God living in me, we're saying, no, no, we need to have all of it. And I want all that God has for me. I want all of it um, to, to change me and transform me. I want to continue to become better. One of the things when I meet with people, I tell them all the time, is my friend, uh, if you don't think I'm there yet, you are correct. Uh, because I believe that I will be a better man in five years. Amen? I believe that. I believe if I walk with the Lord, if the Spirit of God lives in me, if He lives and moves and has His being in me, I will become a better man. So as a result, when someone looks at me in the present day version and they take a picture and they go, well, here's where I found out you're not there yet. Congratulations. Like <laughs> the only way I would be able to be, quote, there is that if I was perfect and I'm not. And so because I know that I'll be better, I also know my own frailty right now. And so we all are in that same exact boat, whether we acknowledge it or not. So we've walked around the different uh, uh, personality traits, the personality numbers, and we come today to our final uh, personality, the type nine. Now, last week, uh, I told you that the eight, nine, and one, they live in this, this triad. Each of these uh, personalities are grouped by three in an area called triads. And so eight, nine, and one are in the gut triad, and they deal, their underlying emotion is anger. Now, the eight, I told you, anger sits right at the surface. It doesn't take a whole lot for anger to start to spark in an eight. Um, in the one, they work really, really hard to repress their anger. So they think that anger is a bad emotion, so I can't be bad. And so therefore, they get angry, and it boils, and it bubbles, but it doesn't overflow. The eight is kind of like a pot that's on the, on the stove that doesn't have a top. You know, it just, that's what the eight does. 
The nine is more like a kind of a crock pot. The, the nine's got all that same energy going on, but they've got a lid. And so they go, I'm better than you. Um, but they still have the same kind of anger going on. They just don't let it come out. Well, here's what the nine does. You say, how in the world is a nine? A nine is a peaceful person. A nine is a calm person. A nine strikes me as a rational, loving person. How in the world does a nine live inside of that triad? You know why? Because they disengage completely. The nine basically goes, hey, eight over here, you seem like you got a lot going on, bro. One over here, I can see it. You hold it back, but you're pretty angry too. Me? I'm chill. But here's how they do it. The, how they do it is they disconnect from you and your junk and your drama and your stuff. They pull back and they just go, enjoy it. But here's the challenge, What you don't know. Every, every personality has this kind of underbelly, this thing that, that's hidden that if you don't know it, you won't realize it and you might hurt them. The nines is that they disconnect even from their own stuff. So the nine not only disconnects and says, I'm not going to get angry because I'm not going to care as much about what, what I'm just going to kind of say, yeah, sure, whatever. Where do you want to eat? Eh, whatever. Nines are great if you want to go have food. Like, because they'll just be like, eh, I can eat whatever. Um, and, and so they're super cool and, and they're super great when it comes to that. However, the thing is, it's not like the nine doesn't have any kind of preference at all. It's just that it would take a whole lot to try to pull it out. And, and so the, the nine, what they do is they disconnect from your stuff. But the sad thing is that they can also disconnect from their own stuff. And so they can easily be the type of person that you will just kind of make plans around them and just do stuff around them. And genuinely, they'll be content. The challenge is, is that uh, deep inside, they've got to learn to step forward. They've got to learn to say, I'm here and I am worth speaking of. That what they've learned in childhood, we all have childhood wounds, and the nines kind of learn that my presence doesn't really matter in this situation. And so instead of forcing myself into the situation, instead of making a bunch of noise like a big old car sale, you know, balloon, I'm just going to kind of be, be present. And I'm going to be friendly, and I'm going to get along, but I'm not going to make waves. I'm not going to assert. I'm not going to make demands. And enough of doing that year after year, eventually you kind of just go, I don't know how much I want to assert myself to myself. So to you, it's one thing. I'm not going to be a problem to you. But also the challenge for a nine is, do I even see me anymore? And so because I don't see me a whole lot, when you say, hey, you want to have, you know, uh, pizza tonight, I don't even see me. So sure, I'll do pizza. And so that's the, the all of our personalities have kind of this, this sad underbelly to them. And, and for the nine, that's what it is. It's this disassociation, not only from others, but self. So type nine, primary focus of attention, others' agenda in order to keep peace. A focus on others in order to just let's go along to get along. Let's keep peace. Now remember, like the seven with stuff, the seven just is in denial, but the seven still has tons of drive and ambition. The eight never, ever, ever cares to ignore to keep peace. <laughs> the, the eight will just come out and say exactly what they feel, exactly what they want, everything. Um, and, and all of your personalities, when we walk through them, um, a lot of our personalities don't have this challenge. Our challenge when it comes to our own behavior is to, to temper it or to pull it back the nine's personality is the one in the spectrum that actually has to be challenged to pull forward and to engage and to step up. And so uh, as we 
look at, at their personality, you have to understand many of you might sit back and go, man, I'm not sure how much I can relate to the nine. Well, you might not be able to. But the thing I want you to keep in mind is your personality, our personalities, we're, we're integrated together, meaning that we're, if we're all made in the image of God, and if we're all prone and hurt by the besetting sin of this world, then your personality is kind of a, a, a spectrum of all the personalities. And so when you get a, a good personality, a good Enneagram test done, it'll actually show you like how much you're in each of these areas, how much of that comes present in your life. And so some of you, you might have some, some high nine stuff and you might say, man, I totally relate. Um, but some of you, you might have next to none and you might look and go, man, I'm, I'm really outspoken and I've got no nine and maybe I need to be more peaceful. What is, what is it that I can learn from that personality type? The reason that I've walked you through this and taken time is that we're supposed to hold every thought captive in obedience to the mind of Christ. And if I don't understand what I'm bringing into the room, how can I hold captive my behaviors? How can I hold captive how I'm thinking of you? And, and, and how can I take control of the situation for myself if I don't even understand myself? And then if I don't appreciate and understand you, how am I to give you the dignity and the value that you deserve? But if I understand that we all have different personalities, we're all bringing different stuff into the situation, and that I'm supposed to lift you up, Philippians chapter 2, I'm supposed to lift you up and give you honor, even above myself. I'm supposed to be like Christ in that. And so the nine, the hidden struggle for the nine is the belief that I must go along to get along or to suppress my own needs and preferences to accommodate others. A secret reservoir of anger and rage when my peace and independence and autonomy are compromised. A fear of the conflicts or discord that it could cause if I awaken to myself and expressed my true desires. So the nine, uh, by nature, is going to be pulling back, but don't ever get it twisted. Um, a, a nine does have opinions, and they do have things they value, and the nine has uh, a, a, an inward drive. It's just that they have to decide how much energy am I putting into this. So if the eight, as I shared last week, eight, sevens, and threes, you all have um, crazy amounts of energy. Eight, seven, threes tend to be leaders. They tend to be the people up front. They tend to be the, 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 the partiers and the talkers. That's eight, seven, and three energy. That's lots and lots of energy. The nine um, and the five, they're much more um, reserve type spaces. They're just kind of like, I've got a little bit of energy to put out, so I've got to figure out where I want it to go. And similar to the five, the five's like, no energy's going to you. Uh, and so the nine kind of does, it, it's not, uh, for the five, the five's a little more aggressive, but the nine looks and says, um, it's not that I don't, I really do want your happiness. I want peace for all of us, but I'm just not going to put a lot of my energy to try to get my way in this moment. And so based on how much energy they're ready to put out, um, they've got to make a decision every day about how much to put into each situation. So that's why you don't get a lot out of them in terms of, hey, can you tell me what you think? Tell me what you want. Tell me what you want, what you really, really want. Nines are receptive and generally find it easy to listen, understand, and accept perspectives and ideas of others. They generally position themselves as facilitators, mediators, or as an approachable and diplomatic group member. Nines may struggle to take sides, connecting to their own position, and take firm, decisive action. Often they will say yes when they really mean no. As approachable individuals who enjoy building strong rapport with others, they run the risk of merging energetically with the people uh, and things that they like. Nines enjoy the rhythm of their lives, and they may find great comfort in simple living. 
They may struggle with procrastination, but once they shift gears, will generally be persevering. When pressured by others, they tend to react in passive-aggressive ways to avoid being controlled by others. One thing about the nine that's pretty unique in um, when I receive these, these tests back, not just here but others, is the nines, um, one common trait is the nine tends to have uh, a decent amount of energy in all of the different personality traits. So when you look at a, a nine, come back, certainly a nine will be higher. But you can usually see that the nine can get along with a lot of people. Like it's kind of like, man, I got some five stuff here. I got some six stuff. I got some one, some two, some three. And what that is, is then the nine basically kind of going, eh. So it's, the test is like, hey, do you feel this way? Sure. And so over and over and over throughout the test, the nine's like, eh. <laughs> And so they get all these scores that kind of go, man, you got a lot of that. You got a lot of that. You got a lot of that. And it's like, eh. <laughs> because it, it, it's, for, for them, it's just like, I don't know. I'm not super this or super that. I just kind of, I want to be here. Do you want to be here? I want to be here. I want a simple life. I want to chill out. I want to enjoy life. So nines are awesome. I love nines. Uh, type nine, I thought the other day, actually, I was thinking to myself when I was doing the nine, and I was just like, um, yeah, I said, like, I love sevens, and like, I love twos, and I love nines. And I was like, Tali, you're going to give everybody else a complex. <laughs> so, um, but it's true. Those are the ones that I t- <laughs> tend to, to hang with uh, the most. Type nine, adaptive peacemaker, mediator. Um, the rest fruit, they have no problem. Peace. They read that and they're like, yep, I'm there. Peace. I'm all about peace. Their vice, though, sloth. The stretch fruit for them is self-control, but it's not for the reasons that you might normally place in self-control, and I'll get to that. The strengths of the nine, accommodating, easygoing, approachable, non-assertive, diplomatic, receptive, composed, patient, modest, objective, peaceful, calm, settled, and comfortable. The nines are, are really, really, um, they're great friends. They're, they're, they provide still waters for you. When the scripture says that the Lord leads us to still waters and restores our soul, um, the nines are great to be around um, for that reason because they, they're not going to be the types that you go to that's going to de- take a lot out of you or demand a lot or to be pushy with their own agenda. They're, they're going to want to kind of tend to go along with kind of where you are so long as you're not damaging them or you're not violating something, a principle in their own life. They're glad to do it. And, um, and so I want to I- encourage you, if you know nines, is that, hey, they're awesome. Um, don't take advantage of them, though. Understand that you may have to ask them three or four times, like, hey, what would you like? What would you want to do? How would you like to handle this? And then after the second or third, like, hey, I don't care, then that's cool. Take it. But at least you gave them a chance to be heard. A lot of us, our personality types are so strong, um, and, and me included, to where uh, if I don't intentionally ask, uh, I'll, I'll be glad to plan the whole thing or do the whole thing. You ones, you will plan everyone's life down to the minute, and you have no problem doing it. All you need is you know, ready, set, go. So the ones will do that. The twos, you'll be all up in people's business, helping them even when they don't want help. The threes, you'll be charting a course. You'll be like, we're going to take that mountain because we're, we're going to show how great we are. You know, I could walk through every one of them. And the personality types for the rest of us will always have something to say. But you have to be careful. Just because the nine won't get in the front and make noise, it doesn't mean they don't have an opinion. And so those of you who have nines in your life, Take time. If you recognize, okay, this is a, I have a nine friend, take time to just go, 
yeah, I'm, I'm hungry. You know, I'm thinking about um, some food, but hey, what would you like? And most of the time, they'll probably be like, I don't know, I could eat anything. And in, in your life, what you do is say, oh, okay, I was wanting subs. Is that okay? Yeah, subs are fine. But the problem what we all do is we all, most of us, I'm hungry. I want a sub, you know? And then the nine's kind of like, oh, I have a choice here. I have to now climb this mountain and assert myself. Or even though I wanted Italian, okay, I'll do a sub. And so knowing nines in your life, take time. Ask them. Say, hey, how do you feel? What's going on? Let me check in. And uh, that way they can speak up if they uh, care uh, a lot about that at the moment. The nine tends, the weaknesses to a nine, the nine tends to be conflict avoidant, which can be good except when they tend to avoid even themselves. They could avoid their own needs, their own interests, their dreams and desires in favor of simply maintaining peace. If they're unhealthy, now remember in all spectrums of all of our personalities, we have health and unhealth, we have that we're walking with Jesus and we've been redeemed and refined or we are completely in the flesh, okay? So just because I know your number doesn't mean I know where you are in, in all these spectrums. Um, if unhealthy, the nines can diminish themselves to the point where they do not have self-clarity. Nines defend themselves by numbing themselves to what is going on around them. They, this lack of engagement causes nines to withdraw. Non-resourceful nines are lethargic, uh, procrastinate, the indecisive, boring, tedious, uncommitted, neglectful, unresponsive, appeasing, obstinate, oblivious, passive-aggressive, and checked out. Um, that's when they're non-resourceful. That's when a, a person is like completely in the flesh, completely dejected. Now, here's the thing. Some of you have um, uh, in the circle, go ahead and pull up that circle diagram for me. So some of you, you have a, a path that comes from your number and you've been wondering whole series. You're like, what are all those lines for? And I'm not going to get completely into it except to say this, that if, you, if one of those lines connect to the nine, so the three and the six, um, then you definitely need to keep in mind some nine stuff. And, and also, you either have health or stretch in there in terms of um, when things are going well for you, you might go to the nine, but you need to be careful and say, well, when things are going well for me, if I'm a three or a six, do I, uh, do, do I go to the, the healthy side of a nine and become more peaceful and more chill? Or do I go to the negative side of the nine and become lethargic to the point that I'm disengaged and I just give up on the world? And so there's a lot of movement in there, but that goes for all of the numbers. When you look at whatever number that you are, um, whatever personality type that you are, you're connected to some other personalities. And you go to one when you're under stress, and you go to one when you're feeling pretty good. Um, this is why, for instance, like the eight, when the eight is doing well and doesn't have anything you need to conquer, the eight looks a lot like a two. Um, they're very uh, charitable and generous and kind, and they're looking out for the interests of others. The two, in, con in uh, contrasting that, the two, when they're sad or down or discouraged or people aren't um, being nice to them, the two will suddenly run over to the eight and express some of that explosive anger. And so that's kind of where some of that connection is. But some of you might have some nine going on and you might not even uh, realize it. The vice of the nine is sloth. Um, so the virtue and vice. Now nines, you guys, you might get so disengaged to the point that you're lazy. The sloth of the nine is really a lack of focused energy. The nines don't put out a lot of energy. Um, that lets you get a handle on them. It's the attitude of checking out because at the center of the gut triad, nines feel like life is just too much. Nines seldom take initiative in relationships or in projects. They need a fire lit under them. They need to connect with an institution or structure or to have someone like a spouse or a child that depends on them. These types of things make a nine move. 
Um, otherwise, they'll just float and they'll get pulled in all these different directions because they don't know what their priorities really are. It's a quote by uh, Richard Rohr. He's got a great book on all this stuff, and he's also a Christian. So the, the, the sloth uh, side or the vice side is that we're not to be so removed that we don't um, get a whole lot. Now, uh, I know a lot of nines that are kind of the opposite. They're, they're healthy nines in the sense that they get a lot done. But again, think about it. The types of jobs you'll find nines in kind of have um, purpose already predefined for them. They, they don't have to create it every day. They don't have to think about it a whole lot. Like, it's there. This is what has to get done. And it helps a nine because a nine doesn't want to have to waste a lot of that energy trying to come up with stuff. It's just like, hey, go do this. Go get that done. And so nines enjoy that. Nines like having the tracks kind of laid out for them. The fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5 says, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. The stretch virtue of the nine is self-control. Strong's G, 1466, uh, Akratea. Um, self-control, the virtue of one who masters his desires and passions, especially his sensual appetites. Let me pause for a second. When we think about self-control and how it's applied for the vast majority of us, and even in the context of Galatians 5, it is uh, self-control, having control over the self. Why in the world does this apply for the nine? The nine's not known for being a, a super passionate, super crazy, super out there. And so you would be like, man, it doesn't really fit. I think of self-control being like, hey, you're a hedonist and you're, you're soaking up life too much and you know, you're, you're so much in the flesh, you need to get yourself under control. And so all we're doing there is that we're putting more emphasis on the definition of the control than we are on the self. For the nine, they lack the, the uh, injection of self. And so their emphasis has to be on self-control. Because what happens is for the nine, they push back from the world stuff, but if they're not healthy, they'll push back from their own self. And they disappear. Because remember, they were told that your life doesn't matter. Like you being here. It's not that... that, that you as a human don't matter, but it's just like your opinion right now, we could deal with it, with it or without it. And so it was more peaceful if they just observed from the outside rather than to cause and make waves. And so for, for the, the, um, the nine, it's the self in the self-control. The part that says, you know what? The virtue of one who masters his desires, his passions, especially in the sensual appetite. The nine, you have to understand, you have desires. You have passions. Most of us in this room, our challenge is the, the control part. Like we know that our self is exerting too much. But you nines, we have to pull it out of you. And we have to say, no, assert, assert, the, um, assert the self. Self-control to most of us means to wage war against out-of-control passions and sins. Our engagement and entanglement with this world is so often out of control that we must gather up the energy to tamp down our active assertions in the flesh. For the nine, self-control is less about control as it is about self. Nines tend to be so disengaged, so distant, so avoidant of connection that they actually need to take control of their wants, wishes, dreams, and desires. The nine is healthy when they fully engage and they appreciate the experience of living this uh, life that God gave them as they appreciate and assert themselves. A potential eight in the Bible, every week I've been giving you one, Abraham. Uh, Abraham was compliant and stubborn. Abraham was a pushover, and he stood up for his beliefs. Abraham shied away from conflict, and he got into arguments with God Almighty. Abraham acted in his own self-interest, and he became the one through whom all nations would be blessed. Abraham was self-absorbed and 
concerned about making everyone else happy. Abraham. Ephesians 5 is where I want us to look today. Ephesians chapter 5. And this is my, we've been doing a sermon for the number. So this is the sermon for the nine. Nines, we got to wake you up. You're, you're, you're pulled back. You're reserved. We have to ask you a thousand times what it is you want. And here's what I want for the nines. I want you to understand you matter. And I want you to understand that God believes you matter. And nines, I want you to understand we need you. The world needs you engaged. And if you're healthier, you're already, uh, you've already kind of gotten over some of that. And you are engaged. And you are speaking up a little more. You're putting yourself out there. You're taking a little risk already. And so if you're healthy, awesome. Um, your, your peacefulness is something that all of us in this room needs. Um, the world needs uh, nines for sure. Um, nines, you look a lot like the Prince of Peace already. You, you carry yourselves in such a way. But here's what I want us all to understand. Please understand this. We can mistake a, a flesh of one personality type. Remember, the two kind of has this Mother Teresa vibe. And we can go, wow, that person is closer to Jesus because they're a two. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe they just learned as a child that you need to give so much of yourself for people to love you. And so that's what they decided to do. It doesn't mean they're closer to Jesus. The nines. Man, look, he's the prince of peace. So a nine, a, a nine they, they must be closer to Jesus because, man, they're so peaceful. Maybe, maybe not. It may be that they're just not engaged with, 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 with the world. They're not putting themselves out there. They're not energetic and and, and, and living and enjoying and, and praising God for the fruit of their life. So I want you to understand that if in the flesh you're just giving to get, or if in the flesh you're disassociating, it doesn't mean that you're in the Spirit. It doesn't mean you're walking with God. It just means that automatically you wake up and you have a different posture towards the world. And those of you that have a more aggressive or assertive posture in a different area, don't say, well, I'm not a nine, so therefore I'm not as holy. I'm not a two, so I'm not as holy. Don't do that. Just understand that every single day you need the Spirit of God leading you from whatever posture you're bringing into the game that day. So here we go. Ephesians 5 speaks to the nine. Therefore, be imitators of God. As beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. A fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Right out of the gate, we should all embrace this and all understand this. We are called to walk in love. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. Everybody say, walk in love. Walk in love. That is a calling for every one of us. But to the nine, I want you to understand, you're called to walk in love. Love. The Christian life is a life of active engagement. Christ loved and he gave himself up for us. A fragrant offering, it says. A sacrifice to God. We're to walk in love in that way. We can't just disassociate and say, hey, I'm peaceful. It could be that you're just disconnecting from the very people that the Lord wants you to lead. The Lord wants you to lead to Christ. The Lord wants you to love on and get to know their stories. And by your disengagement and disconnection, you may not be walking in much love. The people of God are on a mission to represent Christ in love. Lethargy is not love. Although some may presume it's loving. 
being lethargic, saying, I don't know if it's worth my time. I don't know if it's worth my energy. We might look at that and go, wow, that person's not much of a bully. That person doesn't speak up a whole lot. Man, they're so sweet. Is it? It could be that we need to be challenged to wake up and to get engaged and to be a loving vessel for God. And trust me, I know a lot of nines that are healthy and they do this. But for those of us that are unhealthy, we have to look and say, hey, I, I got I to do something about this. I'm supposed to love and, and be engaging. Ignoring self and others looks like kindness when everyone else is standing against something or giving their opinions freely. But we all know the difference between caring for others and simply ignoring them. We all know the difference between caring for others and just ignoring them. You see, God doesn't look at the outside like we do, right? That's what the scripture tells us. But he looks where? At the heart. God looks at the heart. God doesn't look and say, oh, well, this person's following me much, much more because they're, they're more quiet. This person's loving me much, much more because they're more giving. No, God gets down to, the, to put the sword and the bone and the marrow and splits them apart. Why are you doing that? You remember, the scripture says is that uh, wide is the gate that leads to destruction, narrow is the gate that leads to, to, to heaven. And so for us, there's going to be a day where the scripture says, Lord, Lord, let me into the kingdom. I did this for your name. I did that for your name. I cast out demons. And he says, what? Depart from me for I never knew you. What you do doesn't necessarily equate to who you are. And being disengaged, people have um, told you most of your life, nines, hey, that's, you're such a sweet person. And you're thinking, I just don't like people. <laughs> Not worth my energy. And so the Lord's looking at the heart to just say, hey, why? Then there's this big passage. I don't want to ignore it, but it, it gets to more uh, particular here in a second. But sexual immorality. So he goes in and says, hey, you're supposed to be an imitator of God. You're to walk in love the way that Christ loved and gave himself up, a fragrant offering. That's what our life is supposed to be, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Some in energy, some engagement, some intentional engagement. But then it goes in, it says, but sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not be named among you as is proper for the saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk or crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be what? Thanksgiving, appropriately so. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or is covetous, that is an idolater, I want that, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes on the sons of disobedience. Therefore... Do not become partners with them, for at one time you were in darkness, but now you were a light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them, for it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. 
But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O slumber, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. We are to live in the light of Christ and avoid numbing ourselves with the sin of the flesh. We are to live in the light of Christ and avoid numbing ourselves with the sin of flesh. Christ is here. Christ is now. And we're a part of his living work. We are his church. We are his people. We are his bride. The world looks to us in order to see Jesus. We are the hope dealers. When we give in to sin, sexual sin or idolatry or living in darkness, we're not engaging in the great plan of our God to rescue and redeem the world. Nines, you matter. Your voice matters. Your thoughts matter. Your life matters. Matters And the rest of the world needs to see you walking in the light of Christ. But in order to see you in the light, we've got to see you. Because most of our personalities put out our agendas. And because the nine pulls back, the nines often don't feel seen. And for us to love the nines in our life well, we've got to do a better job seeing them. And nines, we need you to do a better job of walking in the light, showing us what it looks like, teaching us how to be more peaceful, teaching us that we don't have to get our way all the time, teaching us that we don't have to fulfill every urge and desire in order to live a joyful life. Teach us that. But we need to see you. Look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of time. I want you to see, let me, let me preface this here. This passage here, I want you to look for how, how much intent has to be displayed. In your life, I don't care if you're a nine or one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Whoever you are, look at how much intent is here in this passage. All right. So oftentimes when this passage is, is um, exegeted, when this passage is broken apart, what people do is they focus in on, on the deep, dark sin. And they're just like, ah, this whole passage, it's sexual sin and, and, and uh, idolatry, covetousness. And yeah, it's there. But do you also see how much intent is here? How much the command is, is that you need to be intentional in your living in the light. You need to actively do some things. Don't be disengaged. Actively do. Check it out. Look carefully. That's an action. Not as unwise, but as wise. Make the best use of your time. Not as a sloth. Because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Addressing who? one another. Worship, yes. Vertical. 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 But part of the command of worship is that I'm singing some horizontal with you. There's some withness to worship. Address one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Encouragement. Let all of us praise the Lord. Let all of us go. And so many times we kind of view this, this worship thing as like it's just me and Gore, me and the Lord, me and the Lord, me and the Lord. No, it's communal. It's us. 
We're a family. Address one another with worship. That's my little soapbox. And making melody to the Lord with your heart involves action. Giving thanks, it involves action. And for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another, an active action, not a passive action, out of reverence for Christ. We are called to live fully so that others may fully live. We are called to live fully so that others may fully live. We're not called to simply be passive and just float through life and not care about those that are dying and going to hell and not care about those that are lost without uh, fathers and mothers and not care about those who can't put food on their plate tonight. We're not called to just be passive and say, oh, well, look how passive they are. Look how peaceful they are. They must walk with Jesus. Nearly every, well, I say every, every Christian that has looked at the Enneagram and had any kind of historical understanding of Mother Teresa Everyone does not describe Mother Teresa as a two. I would have. I would have been like, oh, Mother Teresa, what's she known for? She's known for peaceful, she's known for loving, she's known for helping the poor, you know, the whole, the whole, the whole deal. Foreign missions, like that's what she, you know what she's known as? An eight. An engaging, aggressive, assertive, get it done eight. And so, don't confuse the idea of people that pull themselves out of the world as the same as people who are living fully in the world so that people can come to know Jesus. They're not the same. While most personality types need to be told to disengage, back up, calm down, limit yourself, the nine needs to be challenged to engage. Show up, bring your best, care about others, care about what's going on, realize that your voice does matter. Look at living fully, this graphic up here. Look at what living fully looks like. Look carefully. Make the best use of your time. Understand the will of the, the Lord. Be filled with the Spirit. See encouragement to others and worship to God. Give thanks. It's only possible if you're engaged. Submitting to one another. You see, thanksgiving can only be done if you're actually engaged in what's coming and going. Lord, I appreciate you. I'm thankful. And you have provided. It's an engagement process. You can't just simply go, huh. And so for us, we need you to understand, Nines, this is your invitation. To stand in the power and the presence of your God. And to live fully. And bring that walk you have with the Lord out for us to see. It's okay to speak up. It's okay to engage. It's okay to let us know if you have an opinion. It's okay to, to tell the rest, hey, can I get a minute? I'm not as vocal. I'm not as assertive. I'm not as aggressive. But I do have a thought here. Can I get a minute? And I got news for you nines. The rest of us, we can handle it. The rest of us, we talk and assert so much without even thinking. We can handle it. You're not going to put us down if you say, hey, can I... Say something here. We need you to engage. Come out. Self-control. Self. Self-control. For the rest of us, we might look and say, you know, having walked this journey through the, 
different personality, having walked through the engagement with the fruit of the Spirit, how now, now then shall I live? I want to encourage you to walk away from this series and look at it as a, a, a starting line for understanding yourself, self-awareness, understanding the people around you, and then get this, be like Jesus. He had compassion. The only way I can have true compassion is, is that if I care about you, if I care about your perspective, if I care about what your childhood was like, if I care about your present day struggles, if I care about your burdens, when Jesus looked at the crowds, he had compassion. He said they're like sheep without a shepherd. They just don't know what they're doing. When we look at children who don't know what they're doing, or when we look at someone who's learning a new skill, if you are a jerk, you chide them for not knowing. You, you call them names. You dismiss them because they don't know what they're doing. You stand in opposition because they don't know what they're doing. But if you're kind, if you're loving, if you're like Jesus, and you witness some people that don't know what they're doing, you have compassion. And you say, Lord, I was once in darkness Many of us have forgotten that we have flaws. We forget in the moment when we're angry that we also have weaknesses. We forget that if we say that we're disciples and we're walking towards Jesus, it means we're not there yet. Many of us forget the concept of, of Scripture that if I've committed and broken one sin, I've broken all of them. And what happens to Christ followers who forget all of this stuff is they become arrogant, prideful. They believe, well, I know this better than you do. And their posture starts to take on the form of someone who has anything but compassion. I, um, I'm going to close with this. I, I, uh, Josh is in here somewhere, leads worship with us, um, and uh, Peter chickened out. But Josh and I went to uh, CrossFit this week. How many of you know what CrossFit is? Yeah, um, it's, ev it's everything that you're fearing and more. Uh, but my problem is I'm an all or nothing person. So I'm, e I'm either eating like chocolate cake on the couch or like, I'm like, yeah, CrossFit, why not? And uh, no, but here's what I, I knew going in that my biggest fear, my biggest hurdle was that I would be the least in shape person in the room. I would know the absolute least. And in most of my life, I, I um, am in environments where at least I know what I'm doing. But every once in a while, Christy will tell you, like fishing, I'll just go in and I'll try something. And I'll just put myself in deep water on purpose. And so that's what I did with CrossFit. But here's what I... Uh, <laughs> I got news for you. They have workout of the days, and we have some uh, people in the room that, that have done it and do do CrossFit. And um, 
they've treated me kind, and so did the people at the, the gym. And here's what I, what I, they have a list, and they say, here's what you're going to do today. And essentially, it's like how to kill yourself. It's like, it's, <laughs> it's, it's like do all of this and you'll die. Uh, but then they have like levels. They've got like four levels or so where it's just like, this is the weight you do it at. And if you're here, you do it here. If you're, here, if you're a baby, do this one. And then I had to, and Josh had to, we had to like say, hey, what is on this side? <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> and so they had to make like a special workout for us. But here's what I love. Here's, seriously, this is what I love. Everybody, everybody in that um, box, everybody in that gym was so far ahead of me. Like, I'm talking like, they probably weren't in this bad a shape in their lives ever. Like, their, you know what I mean? Like, their first day is like six months from now for me. But I don't know what anybody's faith is in that, in that room. But you know what I'll tell you? You know what I think Josh and I felt? Compassion. I didn't have one snicker. There wasn't one giggle. And trust me, I gave them plenty to laugh about. Not once. The instructors, the person that knows the most. Oh, by the way, our first class was with, uh, there were four instructors in that class. And then like Josh and I. <laughs> it was like, that was the workout time that they chose to. So we were there with like the, the Navy SEALs. No, but the thing is, is that none of them. I, I was doing this, and I'm nearly dying, but I'm observing. And, and, you know, I'm always talking to the Lord, and especially when I'm feeling like I might die soon. And so I'm sitting there, and we're doing the exercise. I'm thinking, like, none of these people have been like a lot of Christians are. None of these people have put themselves so much to where they just look over and go, huh. None of these people have said, look, they can't even lift the weights right. The instructor didn't say, oh, you're a real burden of my time. I mean, I've got these elite athletes over here. I'd really like to be working with them. And man, look at them. And, and we've got, we got this gym where all the elite athletes come, and they look a lot like the people on TV. So I'm just going to really work on them. And man, they must be so, so much better. No, in fact, the people that knew the most, they took the most time to come over and talk to me and make sure I got my form right, make sure I didn't hurt my back. Make sure that I didn't drop something on my feet. I mean, they, they were like, hey, we want you to do well. What's sad about Christianity is that a lot of Christians, we start out on our knees. We start out humble. We start out broken. We start out repentant. We understand we have nothing to contribute. But the longer that we're in Christ, it's, it's mind-boggling to me. But the longer that somebody's in Christ, the more that they feel like they know, the more books they feel like they've read, they become pious. And it breaks my heart because that's not the heart of Christ. And if you want to be like Jesus, it's not going to show up in the lesson plans. It's going to show up when you come across people that can do nothing for you and they're nowhere close to Jesus when you meet them. So with taking nine weeks to walk you through, ten weeks to walk you through personalities, why'd I do it? Pastor, you give a lot of time to personality. Every sermon was 
was half or even a little bit more on the personality, then you grab the Bible. Why'd you do that? You don't normally do that for 20 years of ministry. Why'd you do that? Because I want you to understand that sometimes what you're looking at is not the person's sin when they don't measure up. Sometimes you're simply looking at their starting point. And you and I, we need to learn how to have compassion. And we need to learn how to understand the difference between a personality and sins of the flesh. The five doesn't have a lot of energy for you. It doesn't mean they're disrespectful. The eight, they get assertive. It doesn't mean because they're getting assertive that they don't walk with Jesus. The one, they might be restricting and confining. But they're genuinely not out to try to hurt you. They're trying to help you. And I could go on and on and on. And so we need to take time to say, look, if I'm going to hold every thought captive to the mind of Christ, I have to understand everybody's going through a struggle. And I've got to figure out, it's on me, not them, to figure out how the Holy Spirit wants me to speak and walk and live and move and have my being in this situation with this person. And if I'll do that, I'll do that, then I'll take on the mind of Christ. But I can't just simply look at you and decide who you are. I can't even hear your number and make judgments of you. I've still got to do the hard work of getting to know you. And I pray that you'll do the hard work of getting to know your neighbors, getting to know your loved ones, getting to know the people at your job. And give people grace. Give people grace and mercy and offer them the goodness that comes from the Lord. Let's pray.